0: Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be with you today. I'm Ed Harrell. It's my Life with Breath Expert series, and I have a a dear guest here today, Marilyn Preston, who is someone who has not wasted her life. She has spent her entire life helping others, improving the quality of her life and the other people around her. And I I first had the honor of uh, working with Marilyn through a a professional training program that I was leading. And out of all the 50 students, man, she was dialed in every week. She had the best questions. And uh, I really thought that we made a profound effect on that group of uh, people. So welcome, Marilyn.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ed. Yeah, no, we definitely had that connection. COVID was just setting in when you and I first met.
0: Boy, that was a strange time, wasn't it?
1: Oh, was it ever? Well, I think it's stranger now <laughs> as the uh, as COVID, um, as we're all wounded and rattled by COVID, let us say. But at the time that we met, it was so interesting, Ed, because I was doing a certification for Well Coaches. I'm a journalist, and yes. as a journalist, I, I, liked, I keep up with um, how important it is to know how to help people change their life. And Well Coaches has a very good track record training coaches though. And um, so I had to take a course for certification. And at the same time COVID was hitting and I am of a certain age. And there were all of these very scary announcements about how COVID was coming to kill you and ruin your lungs. And I had gotten over pneumonia just like three or four months before. So I was ready to double down on breath as medicine that was that was the name of your course that that is that'll be your last words I think as, as you move to the next realm but breath is medicine with a your three-month course and for me it was a life changer
0: well I appreciate that and you know before we go any further you know you're such a dynamic personality but you're also super smart you have the gift of communication which is which is rare these days conscious communication it really is an art form you know, earlier on in your career, your younger life, what were you up to there, Marilyn?
1: So, my, I was, a, I was and am a journalist. I like to say I, I'm a trained journalist from the days when journalists had training. Right. <laughs> so I got my master's at Northwestern, went to work for um, a newspaper in Chicago that was the Chicago Tribune. At that time, there were actually four newspapers in Chicago four, and they would have different editions. You'd read the morning paper, then you'd read the afternoon. But anyway, it was a great profession. It is a great profession to be a journalist. And uh, while I was at the paper, I I was not writing a medical column. I was not writing about medical issues. They were always interesting to me. I was a critic and a feature writer, and (laughs) I was getting ready to take a bicycle trip in France with my husband. It was like the early seventies. And I went out to do a little, I said, you know, am I ready? Am I fit enough for a bicycle trip? So I like went out and ran a a block in a park and it was a near death experience. I was so out of shape. I wasn't even 30 yet. And I was, oh, it was horrible. Well, I took the bike trip and it was great. But when I came back, I decided that, you know, maybe there should be a column in newspapers, not just about where doctors tell you about what pill to take or what surgery to have, but what about a column about fitness, prevention, the mind-body connection? And I wasn't equipped to write it, but I was equipped to begin it and work with a doctor. And I did that column, syndicated column in many, many papers for 43 years,
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And that, so that's been the arc of my discovery. And meantime, I've done other things. I've written plays and I've produced television, but I kept coming back every week to this idea about self-care. How do, then we weren't even getting through COVID. We were just getting through life. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, fast forward, you've done some amazing things with your life. Can you share with our audience, I mean, some of the highlights?
1: I think today is a highlight, ad.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, you're so sweet. Now, seriously, though, you've, you've touched a lot of people. You are internationally known.
1: I uh, thank you for that. Um, I, I don't pay much attention to that. What I do pay attention to, and I believe we, we share this, is oh, what a wonderful opportunity wow. it is to reach an audience, to help people who want to help themselves. That's so important, to reach people who are ready to change, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they're not served well by our medical system here in the United States, where I know you know this and people watching may be surprised that not only aren't we number one in terms of the health of our population, we're about number 35. So we, we, uh, and, and, and since I'll keep coming back to COVID because it's on people's minds. It's one of the reasons we've suffered so much, the highest numbers of deaths and hospitalization is because we started out as a really unhealthy population. And you know that in a sense better than I do, because you've been working with people one-on-one face-to-face for a very long time. And so you see that suffering that has come and, and you also see the remedy. <laughs> so so thank you. So I think one of the highlights has been this long longevity in serving and helping others. Um, while, while not devoting myself full-time to it, that was interesting, I got to do other things. I got to do a lot of adventure travel, got to produce some Emmy-winning TV about sports fitness adventure. That was a great highlight and um, just to bring it up to the current time, um, because of COVID, I decided to write a second edition of this of the book, all is well, The Art and Science of Personal Wellbeing, because everything has changed so much w- in the last few years. So I thought people really needed to hear about some new strategies for down regulating their nervous system and the biggest change between the first edition, and the second addition was the attention I paid to nasal breathing. And that comes directly from my experiences with you.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And, and nasal breathing has certainly changed my life from the inside out, and it continues to get better. And, opt- and I am super optimistic about my future. Uh, I've never felt healthier in my life, and uh, I've got a great support team. I've got a great. How, now, can you share a little bit about your family?
1: Um, yes, I, I, uh, it's great support team. I'll finish your sentence. You know, no one does it alone. I have, I had unconditional love as a child. Uh, One of the things I talk about in in the book is uh, I, I address this issue of raising an active kid because a lot of parents want their kids to be active and the kids are so lured into the technology and so many hours on screens and, And then very often parents will push their kids into sports that they like that the kids don't even like and so what my parents taught me and what i've passed along to others is go out there and have fun find an activity that speaks to you it may not be soccer it may be um kickball you know it may be archery Uh, But whatever, when you find your sport, you really know it. And then if you have fun with it, and, and it's not just this difficult competition and uh, stress, 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 then you then you're committed to a path for life. And I think that that's that's the real game. It's not just having a winning season or being a champion basketball player for high school. It's the it's the sustainability, right? Activity. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I I I my parents were wonderful. They just accepted whether I won or lost. <gasps> Did you have a good time? Were you a team player? And please don't break anything. That was a big part. Right. <laughs> so um so th- there's that. And of course, uh, wonderful the partners in my life. Um, I don't have children, but I have have many, I- I'm very multi-generational in my experiences of family and friends. I think that's really important. And um, yeah.
0: And- so this thing about fun, it seems like everybody's almost lost their sense of humor. You know, they can't laugh at themselves anymore. We've kind of disconnected ourselves from the humor that our body can bring us, these emotional, passionate feelings that come out from simply moving this thing uh, on on the planet Earth. Where do you think that disconnect, is it something that's that started recently or is, has it been brewing or has it always been there? It just seems like, like I, I can't get up and out of the bed in the morning if I can't go out and have fun. And because I number one, I love what I do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm very serious about what I do, but fun and a sense of humor. Yes. How does that play in the self care, Marilyn?
1: Well, uh, (laughs) it's so important to not take yourself so seriously. Yeah, and I'm quoting Ed Harold here,
0: because <laughs>
1: uh-huh. i prepare for this, our conversation by rereading your wonderful book, Life is Breath. And you say that it, don't take yourself so seriously. So and that's something I want to ask you about, because I have a feeling that as a younger man, you did take yourself very seriously. And that was and and coming to that understanding was something you worked on. So I, I want to come back to that. But I also think we are in the soup of stress. We wake up Every day to dire news, to a kind unfolding of reality, whether it's the Ukraine or it's it's people in this country who are hospitalized and can't see their loved ones and are dying alone or confused about what to do about COVID. Stress, 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 and you know so well. Uh, I could wake you up in the middle of the night and you could give me twenty reasons why that is so bad for our health to be living with that level of adrenaline
0: and mm-hmm.
1: cortisol stress hormones it's, we're in the soup of it so right. when you're in the soup of it it's very hard well I won't say it's very hard it isn't very hard but it takes effort it takes effort and consciousness to flip to flip the switch in our brain our brain attaches to the negative mm-hmm. neuroscience. Has, it's not an assumption; it's something that is, has been proven over and over. So that means, if your brain is in the negative, that you've got to flip that switch and see, okay, what, what am I looking? At? Well, look at that flower. How beautiful is that flower? And sure. I, I think I'm going to call my friend who's not feeling well and have the have and and share some joy with that person to listen to them, not to talk to tell them as much as listen to them. So we. I think once we start to find the fun in, in being in the moment, let's say, we feel the benefit and we, it, it becomes an addiction. Enjoy life.
0: Yeah, it's almost like we, as adults, there's a little more separation from that childlike being in the present moment. Look at the beauty of that flower and let's just go touch it or look at it. Yeah. We almost have to give ourselves permission for our brain to allow us to perceive ourselves and our environment differently. And that, that's what is so amazing about, I read your first book, I have it right here on my desk. And it's amazing because all the different ways folks don't think about, we can help ourselves with self-care.
1: Yes, self-care. That's it, Ed. We don't, people are, they're afraid to t- to take time away from the, the doing and the to-do list and the things that they feel they have to do. And it's it's reality. I'm not saying that, that there aren't pressing concerns, but if you don't take time for yourself to do some self-care, some simple breathing, some movement, some laughing, whatever it takes, hugging your puppy, uh, mm-hmm. some moments of self-care, then you really can't be there for others. And you will go down this, the sinkhole of despair, depression and illness. I think when you have no, you you know that, and again, you you see this all the time and it's, it's upsetting because, well, let's take, if we can, let, let's just take the current time we're in, the advice that people are given who are threatened by the global pandemic, which of course is, is a real pandemic and with horrifying numbers of wounded and dead. All during this time as a journalist, I was tracking it. Not only was I wanting to save my own life, but I was waiting for the advice of experts. And the advice came down to important things, social distance, wear your mask, at some point everyone get the vaccine. But what they weren't, these are interesting, good messages, but what they weren't telling people is how to take care of yourself, how to boost your own immune system. Early on, there was no vaccine. The advice was stay home if you're feeling sick. And when you r- get really sick, go to the hospital. It's not good advice. <laughs> it, it is, it, 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 it's, it's not ideal. What is ideal is along with all of that, give people some understanding of self-care techniques, nasal breathing among them that can help them in the moment. Not, not a month from now, but starting the moment they start doing the practice. We're, we're, why, why wasn't, I'm going to turn the tables on you. I'm a journalist. Why didn't that happen, Ed?
0: Oh, I can remember you bringing that up in our course. Because the last five minutes, we'd have questions and answers. And you were furious why these talking heads on TV were not bringing this up. in in this pandemic because we're supposed to be in quarantine for two weeks. And this is something everybody can learn in two weeks. And then in three weeks we can leave the house again. And you know, that is one of the awakenings that we have that not everyone out there wishes us well. And we have to be proactive in regard to raising our awareness, learning different skills, having a little bit, not a lot of mental discipline and try that on for a week or so and see how that feels. Yes,
1: yes. And, and if we had done some of that, just think of where the country would be now, two years later, two and a half years into it. That's about how long I have had, I'm building my practice of nasal breathing, conscious breathing. I, I, I think it changed my, it saved my life during COVID. But when I look around at other people, who are still living in such fear and confusion. I feel sorry that no one told them about it. I mean, I kind of did, so I'm gonna hold up. Thank you for holding up the first edition. This is, or is it, the second edition, yeah. I call it the COVID edition because people didn't have the tools that they needed. They had advice, but they, they, so if it was now two years later and people were getting a little more sleep, what if the people said, you know what? Boost your own immune system during this time of uncertainty. Uh, nasal breathe, get more sleep, eat real food, do some movement. But the opposite, we had loneliness, we had deprivation, we had fear, anxiety. So it was a missed opportunity. But now we start again. <laughs> we start today.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just going to be a little bit of a longer road than, than what it could be. And... <sighs> you know, when you think back to when, when we were younger and, 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 you know, we're in that doing state, you know, we're, we're making our mark on the planet. We're putting our flag down. We're separating ourselves from others. And on some level, you know, we're, we're going to be the best we can be and better than who came before us. And, and we set set in motion, all these psychological perceptions of our values, ourselves, our skill sets, and what, what the goal is. And, you know, we go through 30 years of that and, You know, like the great psychologist Carl Jung said, the first 30 years of our life, 35 years, we set up these emotional patterns of doing. and Then we spend the rest of our life undoing these habits. And being. And and Um, being. And the last time I checked, we're a human being first. And we're a human doing. And what does that mean? A human being means that the only thing that you're really good at is love. The only thing you will ever really be good at is love. You are surrounded by love. And if you don't see it, look someplace else. We are love-driven beings. This is why we have free will. We can escape nature. And that's supposed to be used to sustain loving thoughts, loving emotions, loving relationships, helping others, extending ourselves, putting a smile out when you feel like you can. All of these little things really help us. Oh, yeah. feel connected to that source energy that we were born with that's going to be with us the whole way.
1: Yes. And there these are transformative thoughts. The, everything you've expressed, that we are loving beings, that when we connect to nature, everything gets better. And by the way, the path that, that you've set out for people... Was was such? It was so eye opening to me. It's funny because in the first day, I mean, I've been reporting on fitness and health and wellness, and I'm a yogi. I'm proud to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank God for my practice of yoga, which I doubled down on during COVID. I'm happy to say, Um, but it 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 is it is a practice. It's something you keep coming back to. The simple truth. So I, so I wanted to go back to, so I was a yogi and I was able to do ujjayi breathing on mm-hmm. the mat. It took mm-hmm. a while, it took years to just slow down my breath to hear that ocean sound and move with my breath. And mm-hmm. the breath, of course, is what's connecting the mind to the body. And it took me years to find that connection. I'll admit it. I mean, I've been at it a long time, but once you find it, it's like throwing up you know what's happening, you know? Your <laughs> mind and your body are connected by your breath. So I knew about Ujjayi breathing, nasal breathing on the mat, but it wasn't until I studied, I took that first course with you that I was, holy, I gotta take it off the mat. I've gotta be doing nasal breathing as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, be aware of it during the day, practice alternate nose breathing. And the reason I wanted to do it is not only would it help cleanse my lungs and make them stronger, but it would get me into the parasympathetic. It would downregulate so that all the fear and anxiety that was all around me during COVID, particularly people my age, tons of fear. I felt, you know what, this nasal breathing is, is keeping me calmer making better decisions, feeling the joy. You know, I would keep coming back to it. I know, you know, I i must say, friends of mine finally had to shut me up about nasal breathing.
0: Oh, yeah, I've been through that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but i am—I I become such a believer because they experience the impact. It's not even a week of it. It can be a couple of days of it. Um, and and another, another technique that enforces the nasal breathing beside the practice of it is uh, taping my mouth at night.
0: Mm -hmm. That
1: was a real game changer for me. Um, Are you, you're a believer in this? Are you?
0: I'm a believer that your mouth should be closed when you sleep at night. So if you train the brain and train the nervous system during the day, that mouth breathing is unacceptable when you're conscious, when you're unconscious, it will organically happen on its own. So if you need, the tape during the night to get started for the first couple of weeks and just reintroduce this to the respiratory centers of the brain. Cause initially, you know, the brain doesn't like to learn anything new. It's kind of lazy. And, you know, I figured this stuff out years ago. Don't be coming to me with any of this different breathing stuff. Cause I'm already a master breather and I know it all. And you're just do what I'll tell you to do and everything will be fine. So, you know, for me with folks with the mouth breathing at night, we start first breath in the morning. We open our eyes. We reconnect with our breath. The first thought we have is I am grateful that my eyes have opened. I have so much gratitude that I get to be me today and the opportunity to go out to make the world a better place. So before I get out of bed, I've already filled every cell of my body with the energy of gratitude. I have reminded myself that I was born a nasal breather and I need to die a nasal breather at the other end of the rope. So as I move into my cleansing activities in the bathroom, I'm already promoting down regulation for all the adrenaline and excitement that's coming up for the opportunity of the choices that we're going to make during the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I wish I had started when you started in a way. Oh, you but know, I'm- when I started
0: this in the nineties. People like you were saying, I'd go to the gym and people would move to the other side of the gym as soon as I come in, because they knew I was going to go over there and bother them about this nose breathing. The and they didn't want to know anything about it. You know, they've already heard about this Ed Harold and this nose breathing. They didn't want to hear anything about it. You know, they want the music turned up. They want to hyperventilate and they want to make dog faces. That's a good workout. Yeah. So
1: but <laughs> the world has caught up. Well, parts of the world. It is a little better now. We have some other books in addition to yours that are making a dent. And besides your teaching there, my my yoga teacher here in California, um, she went deep into nasal. She studied it for years before she wasn't just a newcomer to it, but she incorporated it in her yoga practices in such a wonderful way because it's, it's needing to constantly come back. Where's your diaphragm in this pose? Right, And and it's so, but I'm going to go back to mouth taping for a moment because I did come to nasal breathing later. It's never too late to be a better breather, but I did need, uh, I did need that training device, and I still use it of taping my mouth at night with uh, paper tape, not adhesive sticky tape, but just some people don't like to do it horizontal. They feel claustrophobic. They just do it diagonally. But I did it, and I was afraid the first night that I would wake up dead. I remember thinking, Am I okay doing this? And from the very first night, I loved it. It was like, it was like, Putting on a warm pair of socks at night—that feeling of ah, oh, okay, I can relax—and then, let's say, eight or nine hours later, because I was making sure these last few years, especially, to sleep enough. It's so important. It's it's, it's right up there with nasal breathing. It's a system regulator. So, um, it it it's helped me tremendously, and I think it's a way that ordinary people can experience the profound effect, as you've said many times, on every system of the body. It is, there is magic there. And you don't have to do, you know, curb bench-pressed 100 pounds to discover it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, when I think about nasal breathing and I think about as we are aging, I can't think of anything that's better for stalling aging to neurons, synapses dendrites axioms in the brain yeah you know when the air comes in through the mouth unfiltered it just goes right into the top sleeve of the lungs and then it goes up to the brain second if we can get the air to come up through the sinuses up into that forebrain area the cranial nerves really relax into helping us prepare to not react to the present moment just respond to the opportunity yes
1: Yes. And it happens, you know, it's like gravity. You don't have to believe in it at the beginning that you're going to produce nitric oxide, whether you like it or not, if you are breathing in and out of your nose, not true of mouth breathing. I mean, I've done some talks now for the new book. And when I, 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 I tell people that okay, you know, mouth breathing, which which most of us are doing. I mean, mm-hmm. you have, your brain's been rewired. You can mm-hmm. go to sleep and know that you're going to be nasal breathing all night. People who are just beginning on the path need need some uh, training wheels, <laughs> and and some and and the, and yet it it is it's not just someone telling you it's good for good for you they get a fast felt sense of what nasal breathing is doing for them, calming them down, putting them in. It doesn't solve any problems. It doesn't make the world that you are gonna step into any better, but your reaction to it can be so much more beneficial to your physical health, your mental health, and the joy that you can find in life. I mean, that's, isn't the purpose of life to be happy? We believe that,
0: and just simply enjoy the passage of time. You know, you're not you're not going to stop time, whether it's man-made time or yeah. Earth time. Winter, spring, summer, fall. At some point, the ride will come to an end, and yeah. you want you want to use up all your tickets on this amazing yeah. amusement park called Earth. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to get to the end of the ride and get those last five breaths, and I say I shoulda, I coulda, I woulda. You don't want any of that stuff.
1: No, no, and that's really why I believe, as Buddhists do in many other traditions, that it's good to prepare for your death. It's good to, it's good to consider it, to think about it, to let your loved ones know what you want and what you don't want. Uh, something I continue, you know, with 43 years of columns, I've written about everything 12 times at least. And I kept coming back to this notion of, have the conversation, you know, as you get older, you don't have to wait till you're 80, you can do it at 50, or, but have that conversation out of a place of study, you know, you kind of look at, uh, because if you don't, here's what happens. And this, is, this has been shown in many studies time and time again. The way the system is set up, medical system, and Atul Gawande wrote about it in his book, Being Mortal. Um, The system is set up so that doctors think death is a failure. (laughs) Death is a failure. So once you get into the system and you're not feeling well and you're ailing, they're going to throw everything at you to save your life and what some people would say, prolong your death. And... I think a more informed path is to yes take care of your health and uh, self-care all those things but at some point at some point you realize okay I'm moving on and and there's even joy in that we've been talking about joy and experiencing joy it it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be that downward spiral and there are I just I um, heard a podcast myself of a woman named Susan Sand has written, written a book called the, I think it's called The Inner Story. She talks about the upward spiral of aging. Mm-hmm. And it comes from her somatics training, from her interoception. She's connecting her inner body awareness with this realization that, okay, the end of life is the beginning of something else. That's the story she likes to tell herself. And you can view it as an upward spiral. I love that.
0: Yeah. I love I love the spiraling. Uh in the mind. I, I hate right angles. You know, I hate and things that come to an end and they hit the wall and there's all this rejection and whatever other self-sabotaging phrases we tell ourselves about our gifts and our life and our relationships. Yeah. The spiraling has been something that humans have been using for thousands of years to promote transformational awarenesses and trying to find a deeper understanding of what the heck am I doing here? Yeah, You know, we're supposed to trust our life. It's one of the big foundations of of good mental health. And if you begin to break that down, it gets a little dicey. You know, I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm supposed to trust my choices in this human form. So where do we begin? Well, we start with an inhale and we know that inhale brings life to the moment and I'm present. You know, when we're grounded and folks say, you know, what does that mean to be grounded? It simply means that you're present. You're, you're in the present moment and you're conscious of whatever you're going for a walk. You're on the computer, present and you're conscious. That is it. There's, oh, there's- you
1: say That is it. I can tell you after writing to, uh, for newspaper audiences for as long as I have, and you see it on the ground with your clients, customers. Um, well, if that's it, so why is my doctor telling me this? Or why, why I mean, it sounds a little woo-woo. Are you sure? And they, they just, um, they, there's a lot of negative self-talk out there that says, well, it can't be that simple. It, it, it can't be that simple. And I don't think I can do it. And by the way, I really can't sit and meditate because I'm, I've am i got so many things to do and I can't quiet my mind and it just doesn't feel right. And it's all of this, I can't and I shouldn't and why should I? I, You, you write about negative self-talk in, in your book and I certainly do. How do you get someone to turn that off? Because it's so destructive and... I'd love to hear your insights on that.
0: Um, you know, there's many theories on it, but, you know, first of all, we're not born that way. It is social modeling and stuff that we pick up when we're younger and we feel like we don't have any power. So we look to others to see how I'm supposed to talk, how how my body posture should be, you know, how are the cool people doing it? And mm-hmm. we begin to be, create this kind of fraudulent version of ourselves. And then, you know, it go, we go through a lot of time in life and we don't even realize that we're negative we don't have the awareness of what we're doing is actually against the purpose of our birth why we are here and it it just becomes this running dialogue that can go on some folks their whole life some folks get a calling to question to turn back to that voice in my head saying hmm that doesn't feel quite like a good thought so it, there's a sense that it doesn't my thought doesn't feel congruent with what my heart is trying to offer me in my inner world. And there's that pause there. And in that pause, the brain is very simple. It works in little mapping systems that we all create and have been created for us. And then there's a pause in the map. And then the next time that thought comes, you're going down the road and there's a why and you can follow it or you might take the exit ramp. Off into another city of thoughts and maps and navigate that. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: and, the and first, it's so yeah. important Ed, that people don't, don't. I mean, neuroscience, one of the great gifts of the last 20 years has been the understanding that the mind attaches to the negative. That's mm-hmm. so just ruminating about something. You, you have to make that conscious choice. That, and, um, yeah, and, and snap out and snap out of it and redirect. And of course, that's what the breath can do. I mean, this is something we share. And if, if, if it's not the breath, it's why people need to practice. Um, and you know, some of it can be starting down the path can be intimidating when people who have never meditated or, or just sat still are told, you know 20 minutes a day, twice a day. That's a big assignment if you are not used to it and think, well, why meditate? And I can't do it. Uh, I remember reading a great, uh, from um, another teacher of mine who said she couldn't, she was very knowledgeable about mind-body connection and changing behavior, but she couldn't get a meditation practice of her own really rooted and started. She kept getting on the wagon and falling off. So she started with 30 seconds on the cushion. She'd wake up, and she only sat for 30 seconds. And, of course, it didn't take long for her to say, okay, this is silly. I can stay a minute. And the minute turned into five. And then, of course, your your mind wants to feel safe and calm. It will help bring you <clears throat> to the cushion if you give it a chance. And that's how habits can develop. I think it's, I know it's something you talk about. It's something I talk about, but getting people to slow down and experience it is the work, is the work.
0: I totally agree with you. And uh, you know what, these thoughts that go unfounded or unquestioned, this, you know, we know the brain hangs on to being scared or fearful or anxiety because the brain actually thinks that on some level we are under attack and it starts to attack our body. And the body responds to that thought in real time as if we're hunting and we want to get something or something's hunting us and we need to run away. It's almost like it's 10,000 years ago.
1: And, so, and you know, when people yeah. and you know what it is, it's it's 10,000 minutes a day of media. That is the message that is most often coming when we sit down and try and digest the news of the, what we, the, news of the day. And as a journalist, I, I, I treasure news and developments and I, I'm a believer in free speech and people should be informed. But nowadays there's been such a radical shift more than ever to creating silos of, I'm not even going to go into the disinformation and information, because some of that has to do with point of view. When I was a journalist, we covered many narratives. That's what you did as a journalist. You, uh, If you were a columnist or an opinion writer, okay, you could go in with an opinion. But it, But basic journalism said, well, get this narrative, get this narrative, and let the reader, inform the reader so they can make a good decision. And that has not That kind of has stopped happening, Um, and it's a shame. Because we get scared. It goes back, what I want to connect it back to is just what you've said. When we're in that, when we turn it on and we're told, be afraid of this and be afraid of that, and look what's happening, and life is horrible, we pay a penalty in our own body. And of course we can't sleep at night. And of course we wake up in anguish, and it can be reversed. That's the beauty of rewiring the brain. And once you know that the brain can be rewired, which I know we believe in and many people do, it is so hopeful. It, it makes change so possible.
0: We, we must be a lifelong learner. We must dedicate ourselves as a species in self-care to practice when you go to bed at night reflect in those last few seconds, what did I learn today? Was there one thing that I experienced or I became aware of in a relationship in an inner conversation that I learned? And the great part about when you learn something new in your brain, it gives yourself permission to forget one old thing that happened 40 years ago that has no relevance on the amazing journey you've had since that old event. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, I, okay, I don't like to think too much. I don't like to stir up my brain too much at night. I, mm-hmm. I'm more into, because I've experienced times of sleeplessness. It's not a chronic condition and it's kind of over now and I'm for this moment and I'm thankful that it is. But I prefer to put myself in a calmer state. I need yeah. to, because I do yeah. watch news. So I, I like that. and I'll read and I'll just let my mind float and i imagine then is when i imagine a downward spiral i'm going in i'm coming inside to rest digest i know wonderful things happen to the body you know your brain gets cleaned of uh, your whole body is clean at night when you're resting i know um, one of the one of the great things i learned in your course was i was about the joy of producing mucus you're a big <laughs> mucus man <And laughs> I was so happy to hear that it's not a, it's not necessarily a sign of disease it's a it's a way that the body has of cleansing itself um, and that was a great story for me
0: huh. you know when we think about nasal breathing it's a, it's a it's a call to reality it's a call to our finest self it it it's a call of nurturing it's a call to almost feminize all of the male action strategies that are so great when we keep them in balance to achieve our goals, but but can hijack our health and sleep at night so quickly. And when I think of nasal breathing, I think of like this beautiful old grandmother that just can give advice and help me stay on true north when life gets tough and not get distracted by all the noise out on the periphery and say, oh, Eddie, you just hang in there and you take it one step at a time. That's what I, that's what comes to me, this nurturing of all the parts of myself that I might've separated myself from when I was younger in my youth.
1: Okay, so that to me is the gift of self-acceptance. Being mm-hmm. kind to yourself, accept yourself as you are. Today may not be, today may you may fall out of tree pose. You can't do a balancing pose. Tomorrow you'll come back to it. You're a different, but nurture who you are in the moment. So I wanna ask you a question, because when I, it's your slogan is go be great, go be great. And you know, you, you, your personality and style supports that and you are a cheerleader for greatness. And I'm sure it's why you're an effective coach. I, I think to myself, when I look at people who can't change their life, or are filled with negative self-talk, or who are victims, I sometimes, I wanna say the opposite. I say, you don't have to be great. You, you don't have to be great. You, you're fine just the way you are. Just mm-hmm. accept yourself for as you are. And, and what I have found, it's from that place of self-acceptance that people can change.
0: Well, that's exactly what it is. It, it's go be great. It's not go do great. You have to be first yes. and that self-acceptance of everything that you do well, everything that others might do well, that you would prefer to do well, but you can't right now.
1: Okay. So but so the pushback is, but what does great mean in our society? He's a great soccer player. Mm-hmm. Great means he's a, you know, he, he's the guy who does the winning kick or he's a great this, or she's a great cook. So people get intimidated in. I think, by great cooks. It's one of the reasons why people eat so much crap and you know, there's so much um, acceptance of, of food that is not real and has been, um, <laughs> anyway, we, we know the, a, a tainted food and it's why we have such an obesity problem. So they're intimidated by the idea of a great cook. You know what? Just find some real food and find something that tastes good to you. Don't be a great cook. Just be a cook of, of meals that are simple and that you like. So you know what I mean? We lowered the bar and then as people get over that low bar, they can go to the higher bar because they've got that sense of, yeah, I can do that. Anyway, I I, I know yeah, we
0: think I get it. it. I get it. I totally get it. You know, I, I try to think back of the roots of where that came from, you know, 30 years ago. And go be great being simply accepting that I'm going to be the best version of myself today, just myself in everything that I do. And I, I come from a little beach town in Southern New Jersey and there was a lot of male energy there and you know we were a rambunctious group and I was a little cynical uh, when I was younger and I just got tired of when I'd ask somebody how they were doing, they'd say, I'm good, I'm good. And, and, and I just knew that their life was crashing but they could just say, I'm good. And I just thought, what's the what's a little better than good? Great. So I just kind of moved the bar a little bit because I got so tired of people who I know are going through a rough patch just lie to me and tell me they're good. It's a lie, it's never going to be a truth.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I, I find myself saying something doing the best I can.
0: Exactly. I can. That I can.
1: Yeah. Doing the best. Um, I can.
0: Yeah, that's what the thing is. It's like if we can all individually get our inner narrative together about ourselves and be present with all of the beauty and the non-beauty, all the truth and the non-truth and know that it's all here potentially to move us forward to that next level. And it takes time. It takes you
1: know, you time. Don't... And it also, you know, sometimes I'll say to some of the younger members of my family, we'll talk about health and wellness. And particularly during COVID, and I make the case for self-care and saying, "Look, the government's not going to save you. You you have to be responsible to learn certain things that that can help save you. That can that. And sometimes I, I I'm leading up to a. A point about victimhood, because I think so. The pushback from my younger is, Yeah, but some people don't have the resources, and they're they're from neighborhoods that are have food deserts, and they don't access real food, and they don't have the resources for real food, and they're not educated, and they are not, and most of all, they're not feeling safe. Their streets are not safe. There's no places for the kids to play that are safe. I mean, it's like a litany of of. They're victims of a, of a bad system. And that gets people nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. then it's a non starter, as you know. <laughs> uh, by yeah. the way, I wanna mention, I wanna ask you about your work with this. I'm, you don't know, I'm gonna ask you this. This is not a setup with the Goldie Hawn Foundation and that you're doing. Because in my life, I also work with younger kids on some of these basic skills we're talking about, because uh, some girls and difficult neighborhoods in Chicago. um, And I know you're doing this with the foundation in different schools, different places, teaching young people who have been traumatized by the conditions of their life. Some of these skills, are it's such a quick fix. I don't believe in quick fixes, but nasal breathing can be a quick fix for kids. And we applaud your work and, and how is it going?
0: Oh, it's going great. It's a great foundation, and it just Goldie's great. She cares deeply about the youth and wants to plant some seeds. So maybe there's a little more foundation there for you know for kids uh, to have a, a more functional youth experience, uh, honoring emotions, hormones, our differences. Uh, you know, just getting a hold. of I remember when I first met her, I was leading a, a program for the Aspen Brain Lab. And I'm doing a lecture on the breath and the future of the brain. What are some potential theories that I have in regard to amplifying the human brain for better choices, thought, higher emotions? And I get done the, I get done the presentation, and Wendy, my awesome wife, comes in and goes, "Ed, I've just been on the phone with Goldie Hawn. She saw you on the Aston Brain Lab. She wants to meet you right away." And I'm like, "What are you crazy? Goldie Hawn wants to meet me?" And, you know, one thing led to another and we did some podcasts together and we've talked and I've connected with her team. She has an amazing team of professionals. I mean, high quality people and educators. That I heard that
1: Dito, what is his name? Dito, I
0: Dito Bala is an amazing man.
1: You, you and had him on your podcast.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. a, he's a genius. Yeah. He's, he's a genius at working with the youth and you know, we're just using the whole human experience with children. It's not just bot. It's not just top-down learning. We're also bringing bottom-up learning. And, and
1: this, yeah, and I think this is going to bring. This is the hope of the future because everything we've talked about is kind of, oh my God, why don't more people do this? And they should. And, they, but if we can get to kids younger before they're, before they're, they don't have confidence that they can have a healthy, happy life. Um, And if they can be given some of these basic skills in an environment of fun and support and trust, they don't have to be the best meditator. <laughs> they just have to allow themselves to experience a calm mind. Yes. Go to the, they can, I was talking to some my colleagues in Chicago who run girls in the game and working in angle. Yes. And, 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 the girls respond to it, even, you know, even a little exposure. And yet it's not, you know, it's not done nearly enough. It's so frustrating. After your 30 years and my 45 years of, of tracking this, God, progress is so slow. It's maddening.
0: There's always resistance to, to more beauty in our life more self-acceptance, more understanding of where we've been, where we are, and where we want to go. The breath is the master key. It's the secret to all of this. It is it's simple. It's complex. It's therapeutic. It is performance. It is everything that is missing in our lives, and it is right at our doorstep, but it's only the first inning of this nasal breath. The majority of the world doesn't know anything. Do you want to do a little bit before we go?
1: I do, but I I can't.
0: if we have one second,
1: it's beginning. You're you're seeing, I mean, it's taken so long, but then look, I confess, 43 years writing a column and I only kind of discovered the power of nasal breathing lately, you know, within the last two, three years. Um, Why is it so slow? If it's so, you know if the brain wants to be reassured that the tiger is not there that it's calm and safe and from there thing good things good chemicals wash through your body and your organs can relax and fluids can sweep through and regulate you at an energetic level because that's what we're talking about if that is true and we believe it is then why do we run from it why are we so, why does it take so long? It, it just seems, I don't well,
0: know. Our, our primary hormone secretion is adrenaline as a species. We love excitement. We're, we're drawn to the arena. And we tell ourselves amazing stories about the adrenaline. And, and 50% of the time, the stories of the adrenaline are great. They feel great. The other 50% of the time, the tiger gets us. And there is withdrawal, there is regret, there is fear of the future. So unwinding hyperactivity is one of the keys Mm -hmm. to experiencing both excitement and calm in the same moment.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We'll we'll save another time to talk about the technology that is working against us that has been created to distract us and put us into a different mind state of always waiting for the next ping and the next ring. And am I good enough? And how many likes did I get into?
0: That's, that's the adrenaline. That's the adrenaline.
1: It's the adrenaline, but it, but it, it is like AI. It's an add on. It was the device that we're all using now that controls our life to such an extent was something that was created as a distraction to, to sell advertising and to sell behaviors. I mean, it's, you know, I was a TV critic for many years and mm. television in the fifties was invented as a way to just sell advertising. Programming was was like a second thought. They would do anything for who cared about programming. And so, but the the progress they have made in creating consumer behavior is formidable. <laughs> and we right. we're not devolving, we're devolving.
0: And this is why nasal breathing is becoming popular, because in the other end of the spectrum, at the other end of the pole, is all these distractions.
1: Yes, yes. And
0: somewhere, all of this is creating balance for growth. This thing... Will never ever love me back, ever. And it's and the more I remind myself of this, is this is the device to help me communicate and get from point A to point B. There's no emotional attachment to it, and that's it. We have to create healthy boundaries. And what creates healthy boundaries? Well, your inhale creates boundaries. Your exhale creates boundaries in regard to how you're going to interact in your interpersonal dialogue and how you're going to respond to the life outside of you. All of our boundaries are created around the length, depth, and pace of our inhale and exhale at the foundational level of the human physiology, which we know controls our perception of psychology.
1: Yes, it does. And, and we, we, it lifts us out of the fear mode, which this device preys on fears, fears of not looking good enough or not having enough friends or, or the fear of missing out, the fear of missing out. So yes, I, I, what you're saying, and I I love what you just said about, and that's why we're seeing an increase of interest in nasal breathing, because we want to come back into balance. We are so far as a species from being in balance. Um, so, yeah, and I think I'm with you. Nasal breathing is one fabulous way to do it.
0: So When we think about life and I, I get around you and I get a, this magnetic spark that I'm supposed to go for it. I'm supposed to resist being normal. I'm supposed to push up against my constructs to just not break the rules, but bend the rules and see what happens. You bring out this energy in me that makes me feel alive. And we need this in society. We need to challenge the inner construct of our realities. We need to be around people that lift my chest up. My shoulder blades are back and down. I'm excited for the next second, but in a calm way. That's you.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a connection. We have a good connection. Uh, based on common thoughts and a fearlessness. Let's anyway, it's it's all good. And I'm grateful to you. I know it sounds ridiculous in a certain way because you're having me as a guest on your esteemed podcast. And I'm not one of, I'm not a great teacher. You know, like you've had so many wonderful teachers on and you've let me come on as a journalist just to help your viewers and readers know, inform Mm -hmm. yourself, find out what else is out there. Because, yeah, because you need to take care of yourself.
0: (laughs) That's funny because I look at you as a teacher. You're an amazing teacher. You just teach. Your classroom is bigger than just some desks in a room. You've been pushing and teaching folks other ways to try on a more happy, healthy, therapeutic life for your whole life.
1: You know, maybe it's Michael. You talked before about a calling. You know, if if we if we tell ourselves a story, if we answer the question, okay, so what is my purpose in life? I'm happy to say it's to help people. I want to be happy myself. I have no problem. I shouldn't say I have no problem. Is that I I feel I've been able to to do self care in a way that has kept me thank God as healthy as I am in this moment tomorrow something else could happen. I know that. And I've lost people who lived a healthy lifestyle and boom, pancreatic cancer. Okay. So these things can happen. But I'm very grateful that I found my way to a practice and that I can share it with others in a way that is lighthearted. And you said before, it's serious, but you can't approach it in a serious way because people shut down. They don't want that, you know, people don't change because other people tell them to. They change when they are ready. And maybe, you know, I hope that some of my writing helps people realize that, well, I, I think I am ready. I think I'm ready to, to do a few things. And uh, and then, in my mind, then they go to teachers. You know, once they're, once they're what if I can help wake them up or make them see something, different point of view, then I, when what I do in the book a lot, including you, I point to great teachers that I've had, that I've known about, and go, go seek out. Uh, th- so that's why I don't identify as a teacher, though I play one on podcasts.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing just how fast life goes by. And where does our attention go? when it, we slip into these negative states, these untherapeutic, these unloving states of ourself, and this ride is going to go by so fast. And we have this amazing ability to pull ourselves back and rewire the brain and say, we would prefer not to go down that path anymore because I know every time I go down there mentally, I get the snot kicked out of me. So, you know, we are self-correcting as a species. If we can allow it to happen mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, we are here to experience ourselves completely through ourselves and through the reflection of others. And you know, it's time for all of us to to cut all of the things that separate ourselves from ourselves and others and just say, What the heck? I'm just gonna bond and grow. Yeah, yeah. You wanna yeah. breathe for a couple minutes? Yes, I certainly do. I, I do. You wanna lead it or you want me oh, to lead it? No, no,
1: no, 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 please not. You know, I part of Ed's course, I'm gonna to say to you, Ed, is the final session, you've got to actually record uh, yourself teaching a breathing practice. That was a high stress situation, I must say. Uh, I'm not someone who likes to, I've been on camera for many years, like in Chicago and different things, but I don't like the loss of privacy. You know, I'm not, I'm a reluctant participant in various things, but it's also fun. It's also fun. But doing that final for you. So I, I don't have to do it again. I can just breathe along with the master.
0: You know, breathing is a very intimate, intimate thing. And it's not to be taken lightly. The, The breath is conscious all on its own. So it, whether you're aware of it or not it knows as it comes into your body where you're too hot and holding tense armoring it knows where you're too cool tender uh soft and it goes in and rewires this entire fascia organ skeletal cerebral structure every single second of our life if we can just get out of our own way it really is totally free and liberated it's been on this earth for Billions, trillions of years. It's the same air that's been here since the planet was made. It's super intelligent. It knows us so much better than we do know ourselves. And if we can just let it be our physician, sit back in your mind and know that you're doing the best thing you possibly can for yourself. Oxygen is the number one molecule on the earth. And what's after that? Water and breathing and oxygen and water all go together. So it's this detoxifying thing. It's this therapeutic thing. It is this loving thing. It can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. So set the bar high. You ready?
1: I am. By the way, so, are you, do, you don't work at a standing desk. Do you work at a sit-down desk?
0: I am seated right now.
1: Okay, but and do you work at a standing desk? Because while we're passing on good tips to people, I think a standing desk is... It was a great discovery for self-care for people who are working at the computer.
0: Yeah, my beautiful wife Mindy, swears by hers. She loves it, okay. and uh, I'll have to tell her every once in a while, "Hey, get a seat for 15 minutes. You've been standing all day."
1: You have to build up to it, but it's such a it's a it's a it it works the way breathing works. It's the way your your body wants that that clear passage up and down. And, and there comes a time when you do have to sit down. But I'm just saying it's, it would be uh, amazing, even more. You'd be even more amazing, Mr. Harold.
0: Yeah, I, I think standing is, is, is more normal than seated.
1: Okay, and so I'm, I, ready to, I'm ready to breathe.
0: So, right, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are on the planet, if it's safe for you, let your eyes close. Release and relax your low jaw. And just start with some delicious slow motion shoulder rolls, just up back and down and just nurture the top of your lungs, the top of your heart, the trunk of the neck, and begin to make more space for air in the top of the chest cage. Now you're linking breath with movement. You're initiating movement on the inhale. You're completing movement on your beautiful exhale. And the next time those shoulder blades fall back and down on the exhale, just let them rest there. Get some space between the shoulders and the ears and notice how that feels at the bottom of the brain. So it calms that old mammalian brain. Become aware of your nostrils. Begin to inhale as slowly as you can stabilizing the mental activity. And then on the exhale, you're just drawing your navel slowly back to your spine to completion. You want to deflate those lungs fully and get that parasympathetic response. Notice the recoil. After a good exhale, the body inhales on its own. You have to physically stay with the exhale. And as you begin to slow your breath down, use your mind's ear and eye and eavesdrop on the conversation that's available to you in your abdomen. So if I was an emotion, how would I be emoting right now? And begin to sense how much your abdomen loves you. Begin to attach yourself to positive and passionate emotions and breathe slowly. If you know the ocean-sounding breath from the yoga tradition, allow that soft, nurturing, neutral tone to form in your throat. And begin to send positive emotions from the belly down through the pelvis, through the legs, to the soles of your feet, and then finally down into the core of the planet. And breathing slower, taking that emotional energy from the belly up through the chest cavity, up the spine, into the top of the brain, the higher cortexual regions of learning and enlightenment. And just know that all is well. And take your awareness now into the core of your heart, the source energy of your life. And know that your heart is with you every step of the way. And witness and observe your source energy of your heart. And as you witness that source energy, Send it out into all of your relationships. Send it in to all of your emotions and thoughts. And know that you are extremely valuable as a human being on earth at this time. When your inhale is complete, hold the breath in several seconds and go back to your heart and remember who you are. Exhale slowly, hold the breath out a couple seconds and unwind and forget some things in your past that might disturb you now. Inhale again and hold, go back to your heart and remember who you really are. Exhale, hold out and forget who you're not. One more round. Inhale slowly, recharge the inner world mentally. Go to the heart and remember who you are. Witness your source energy. Exhale, hold out, take the trash out. When you're ready, open your eyes and remember Marilyn Preston has an amazing book out, All Is Well, that will help you have a more rounded you self-care routine. There it is.
1: The second edition. Ed's this, is the first edition. I'll send you the second edition.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You're a beautiful light. I love you.
1: And it was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Talk to you later, everyone. And until we meet again, go be great. Ha ha!